0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the week before Christmas. Uh, We're glad you're here at the Mount Ellison Middle School cafeteria, just where you thought you'd be spending Christmas, right? Um, It's fun to be here. We're just really grateful just to have the school uh, allow us to be here. We were here Friday setting up, and the school was closed, so uh, everyone got sent home from the staff. And they left the door open for us. We came in, and Kenny and Kirsten and um, my girls and I. And uh, everybody left. I was the last one to leave, and I was walking around the hallway turning the lights off because usually the janitors are here when we're done setting up. But since everyone was gone and they left in the middle of the day, there were lots of lights on in the building. And I thought, what a privilege just to walk around here and pray and just to be here. Uh, just to be here and and have this be home for us during this season. So as we head into this passage, a couple things we'll talk about. There's a a concept early on of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to think about that. That's a big topic. I'll touch on it, but I obviously won't, won't get through all of it. And then we'll have this picture of Mary's song and this idea the ups are down and the downs are up. So that's something we'll go through. And at the very end, uh, I'll talk about what it might mean for us as a church and the season that we're going into. Because we've been about six months in this transition point. Our um, our building is sold, praise the Lord. Some of you have driven by there and seen they're tearing up the parking lot. The money's in the bank. Um, Right out that window, you can see, uh, if you want to drive back there, the logging trucks were working this week, so you can see some stuff knocked down. And if you go there, there's a little roadway they cut through, and in about, I don't know, 30 yards back, the road goes right about where the front door of our sanctuary is going to be. So it's exciting just to see some things going. If I had to guess, I'd say we're probably, um, this whole time in Mon Ellison Middle School, probably be about... 18 to 24 months. Um, We've done six of them already, and I just appreciate all of you who work to keep this going. We're figuring out how to do it, and it's really working well, and just thank you for for what you're doing uh, to make this happen. So let me pray for us, and then we'll get into the passage. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to meet as a church in a public building. We thank you that we get to live in a country where this is possible, Lord, I pray for this morning as we go through this passage that you will help us to receive the good gifts that you want to give us, Lord. We are, are rich people, um, and we could be richer still if we're willing to receive what you have to give us, Lord. We pray that your, I pray that your spirit would move through us and in us, that you would open up our hearts to receive your truth, Lord, and that the words that we consider uh, bring light and love and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. So right, uh, right in the beginning of this passage, uh, you have Mary going on a walk. So she's not that far along on her pre- pregnancy, and so it's not as difficult as maybe the later months. But we don't know if she was dealing with morning sickness or not. So if you have traveled with morning sickness as a pregnant mom, you know what that's like. Um, at least in those days, you didn't have to pull over because she was probably walking. But it was still a long walk, uh, 50 miles or so, they think, 50 to 70 miles. So she had to travel to get there, and it says she went in haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, an older couple, and uh, Elizabeth is further along. And as it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So first of all, think about it from Mary's perspective. There's, she's a young, we think maybe teenager. She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So, difficult to talk about with your friends and family. And I don't imagine she talked to a whole bunch of people about it during the pregnancy apart from Elizabeth except maybe Joseph and that's a lot to expect of any guy to be able to you know be the one you talk to I know that many of you uh, who have had kids have had women to talk to through the process I've seen the circle of pregnant women gathering and I know that I don't go in there unless something's on fire because there's nothing I have to contribute I know what the topic is and I the best thing I can do is just give it space but imagine as Mary not being able to talk about that and that process so she gets to talk to Elizabeth about it and the babe leaps in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit so this is the phrase we're going to camp out on for a little bit we're going to think about what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit so When we talk about things like this, I want to go remind us that as a church, we want to be on what I call solid doctrine. So I've shared with you the analogy of the pillars before that head out and make a dock. So imagine a dock running right up here. And these core truths of Christianity That's what we need to base ourselves on as a church, and if we confuse the major with the minor stuff, we get in trouble. So this is the way I remember it. We're part of the Evangelical Free Church of America, so they have a doctrinal statement, which I have right here if you want to see it, and we adhere to it. So my way of remembering it, because I'm not a great systematic guy. My mind doesn't remember stuff. I could memorize things. Kids, if you've memorized things before a test, I'm really good. But then once it's like a list and the test is over, it's gone. So this is what's helped me with this one. So remember I said a doc, and each uh, core doctrine is one of the telephone poles that gets driven in the ground. And I told you I worked um, one summer building piers. And so you have the telephone poles and then boards between them. So this is how I remember. There's five on each side, okay, pairs of two, five of them. On the left side, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then the work of Christ and the return of Christ. So the last pillar I see is the return of Christ. And then on this other side, I've got the scriptures that we believe in, the inerrancy of the scriptures. And then who is man? And then the church. And then what I call the walk of faith, which is how we walk out our faith. And then the leap of faith. Because I shared the story and most kids in here and some of the adults know what it was like to run to the end of the pier and jump off. Right. We all get one leap of faith at the end of this. And the scripture says some of you will go to heaven and some of you will go to hell. You know, that's that's the way God set it up. I don't always like it, but that's the way it is. We get one leap and Jesus is real clear that hell exists and it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and he's real clear that heaven exists. One author said, um, if you jump and you have your faith in Christ and you land in heavens, I remember someone asked him what he thought the first few minutes will be like and he said, it will probably take you a while to realize that you're dead which I thought was a beautiful picture. We pass from life to life. So in Jesus, that leap of faith can be a woo-hoo, because we're just jumping from life to life. So you have this pier, and those are the things on either side. God the Father, next one God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then the work of Christ and the return of Christ. And then over here is the scripture, who is man, church, walk of faith, leap of faith so everything that we do when we teach when i teach i'm going to try to tap on those poles so we're tapping on the holy spirit so that's the one we're looking at and we're talking about what it means to be filled with the holy spirit it's nothing you can do for yourself It's something the holy spirit decides to do and the question that each of us has to think about is, what does that mean? What do we believe about that? How has that? Is that something in our life that we see as real? Is that something we believe happens now? So there are various, lots of studying you can do on it, but one of the things I want to just make clear this morning is that uh, someone like Peter, for example, in Acts 2-4, he's filled at Pentecost. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 4.8, when Peter gets up to speak, remember he's in a really potentially nervous situation where he's got to share before the leaders, he said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 4.31, when he gets back and they talk about it as disciples, it said they prayed and the place shook and all were filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's Peter three times at least. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, so it 's not like a one and done thing; it can be something that happens over time and i I looked at it as I studied it, there is a one time sense, and that would be some examples that I gave and I would say elizabeth 's in this boat um, is kind of a, a one like filling enthusiasm it's um, and then there 's a sustained one, and so this is how I got this idea looked at this sustained one. In Acts 6-3, remember when they had to pick deacons out? And they and they say, pick seven men of good repute full of the Spirit. So that wouldn't work if that was a one and done, like, you know, for a few minutes. Because they would have to come back next week and test for another seven. So that seems to me to be something sustained. And then it says, um, Stephen was full of the Spirit right when he got ready to... Talk before he got stoned. The, one of the longest uh, passages of a sermon in the Bible, and it doesn't end well for the speaker. But he's full of the Holy Spirit. That just empowers him. He was already a man full of the Spirit, and then it talks about him being filled in the Spirit. And then Barnabas is described that way. Acts Acts eleven twenty four. That he's a good man full of the Holy Spirit. So there is this essence that someone can be filled in the moment. And then this concept that that is a man or a woman full of the Holy Spirit. So two ideas are supported in Scripture. One time, and then um, that it's something that's sustainable. Okay, so you have um, you have Elizabeth, who's she speaks in a loud voice, and if you're excited about something, you tend to speak more. Loudly, right? So she's full of the Holy Spirit. She says in a loud voice, "Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb." But why is this granted to me, the mother of my that my mother the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. So this word blessed in there there're actually two different words in Greek in the in the passage used here the first one is more the word eulogized it kind of has that concept in it those first two eulogize when you do a eulogy then you're remembering someone that is a rich experience. We, we had the oldest member that I know of of our congregation pass away um, the week before last, and we had his funeral. I had the privilege of doing his funeral last Saturday, and it was uh, Neely Inlow had died, and he was eulogized. And one of the moments I will never forget, I knew his brother was about eight or nine years older than him. That's what I knew. And he, I can't get this word for word, but he came up front, and he had a paper, and he was reading, and he said, the first time that I remember Neely was cu- walking into the living room. My mom was ironing, and it was March of 1933. And he was older, considerably older. And then he went and talked through his life Imagine dying in your late 80s and having your older brother come speak at your funeral and eulogize and the blessed, you know, that idea that your legacy goes forward. Someone could speak about what a wonderful person you are. I mean, that, that's the idea that, that um, Mary has obeyed. And it's been difficult for Mary, I imagine. I mean, just imagine she didn't have the Lord show up every day for an hour pep talk about, hey, I know this incarnation thing's gonna be really great for the world. Might be a little tough for you explaining it to your friends, but hang in there. It doesn't seem like she got that. She had uh, little glimpses at best. And so to be with Elizabeth, this is just like, thank you, thank you, affirmation. I'm not crazy. Um, this is something that God's calling me to do. So you have this idea of Elizabeth proclaiming truth and. She proclaims the deity of the Lord, the deity of the baby. That's another key doctrine is the deity of Christ. And Elizabeth gets to be one of the first ones to claim it. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So she was full of the Holy Spirit. And one of the natural results of that is to proclaim Jesus is Lord. And then can you think of a time, think think of a time that you believe that, Through the Holy Spirit, God used someone else to encourage you. And the one I was talking with Kirsten this morning that came to me, you know we work in Mexico, and uh, we've been there for a long time. You know, we've been working there 18, 19, 20 years in the same neighborhood. Some of you have been with us. And we have a sports park there. And when we get there, we love what we do, but it's a lot of scrambling around. Um, Kirsten and my kids and, uh, and staff, whoever helps us, just to pull everything off. We do block parties in the park, and we've got dinner going at Kiram House and setting up for construction sites. So usually, I'm racing all over the place. So one of these times, uh, we had a great event going in the sports park. Uh, Kids, tons of kids in there, neighborhood people coming in. And I was racing around. And this little 11-year-old boy came up to me. He's a twin. And um, he said to me, he said, hey, you look pretty good for your age. Which I thought was, I guess, encouraging, but strange topic to be having with an 11-year-old. And he said, um, he said, how many kids do you have? And I said, five. He said, no, uh, you don't. I said, no, I have five. He says, no, you have all these kids here. And I thought, the Lord is using this little kid to remind me of the truth of the value of what we're doing. Because I was lost, and I don't know whether I was running to get propane or whatever it was that I was racing around to do. This little boy is full of the spirit. I watch him. He's one of the first ones at church. You know, he's always helping out, always asking questions about how things work and why we do this or that. His dad's in jail as a drug runner. His mom's a drug addict. He's 11. He has a job on the weekends that he works as a plumber, electric helper. He basically manages his own life. We're in a slum neighborhood on the border of Mexico, not where you would send someone to grow up as a strong Christian. But God is working through that little boy enough to know that I need encouragement and to speak that truth. So think of a time that that just like Mary, that Elizabeth was used to encourage her Think of a time maybe God um, encouraged you by the words of someone else, and you just walk away knowing that was the Holy Spirit. All right, so it's Mary's turn, and we know not as much about Mary as I would like, but we do know she's a thinker. If you remember after uh, Jesus goes, one of the only childhood stories, the only childhood story about him going to the temple, And he stays there for a couple days and and things were said about him and and at the end of that Mary says she guarded those things in her heart. So Mary's a contemplator. She may have been introverted you know may have been someone that really considered things and and she may have you know recorded stuff in her mind so it's not surprising to me that that she would be able to be a good writer a good poet it's also not surprising that she'd be familiar with several old testament themes they the that area of israel they were known to know their bibles and it was much more of an audio kind of culture then maybe ours is more written obviously they couldn't have the written stuff as much but she would have known some of these passages so she says my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit has rejoiced in god my savior for he's regarded the lowly state of his maidservant for behold henceforth all generations shall call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name So this idea of a soul magnifying the Lord. So kids, think of a magnifying glass. It makes things bigger. And think of how human beings, because she says her soul magnifies the Lord. How does your soul magnify the Lord? Or how have you seen those around you? How have their souls magnified the Lord? Because God... shoots light through human beings that's the only way I can describe it where I see aspects of God through other people and it comes through a human soul and it magnifies that's what compassion really looks like that's what mercy really looks like that's what steadfastness looks like think of how much you've learned about God by other people who are filled with the spirit and live that out it's really helpful. And that is one of the joys of being in a community of faith because you can see that as you get to know people. God creates this collage of who he is through the souls of those around us. And she knows she's been given a great gift and she recognizes that this gift comes from God for you've regarded the lowly state of your maidservant. Think of some of the great gifts you've gotten Humans are always looking forward. Oh, I got to have this working out or or this thing's not going right, you know. But this is a time of year to mm-hmm. reflect and think, what good things has God given me? God's been good to us. Just joyful moments, just one joyful moment. I remember we were setting up our tree and uh, this was about two weeks ago, and you guys were coming in and out. You know, the kids are older now, so coordinating everybody be there at the same time. But we set up the tree, and then we had our TV in there, and we found a good fire. We have a wood stove about 12 feet away, but it was still nice to watch the fire on TV. And there was one that had like the little um, sparks that would rise up, and you, you could turn the volume up and hear the popping going on. So I'm sitting on the couch, I'm looking at the fire. Again, I can look over at the real wood stove, but it's not next to the tree. And the kids came, sat on the couch, and and I knew everybody had to go in about 10 minutes. But for 10 minutes, there we were, tree set up, fire on the TV, but still a fire, and all of us just sitting there quietly. And I thought, this is great. Like For a human to get 10 minutes like this, for a family to get 10 minutes like this, that's a good gift doesn't have to last forever. Just receive things as a good gift. So, um, so then he talks, uh, she keeps going with this idea of, of mercy. And he's, and she said, the mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. So one thing that's clear is mercy is connected with fearing God. So this is from Proverbs 9. It says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God, knowing that the last pole on this side is the return of Christ. For me, I know either I'm going to hit that pole first where Christ returns first, or I'm doing the leap off the other pole. Those are my two options. Knowing that one day everything that I do is going to be judged by the Lord, that aligns my life because I don't want to get veering off for several days and miss the fact that one day I got to pass that pole. That kind of fear lines us up and God's mercy follows that because we got to get that thing straight and then God's mercy can flow. For pictures of God, uh, this one's from Psalm 103. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers we are dust, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. That's good news that he knows what we're made of, because I thought I was pretty good in the Lord like unselfish going with um, you know thinking of others and then I got married to a wonderful woman and I realized I'm pretty selfish you know I had a pretty good I was in seminary studying all this stuff and we got married after that I thought I knew a lot and that I had I had developed you know and then I realized no I'm pretty selfish still in there and then um, I, we got that down, and we figured how to talk and be together and um, go out for coffee and live life together pretty well. And then we had kids. And then I learned that much of what I thought was sp- like spiritual strength and maturity was contingent on a decent night's sleep. And then once that got pulled, I realized the limits of our, like, my abilities. And when we started Kiram House years ago, um, and a few of you were there for this, our son Levi was one and a half. He woke up almost every hour on the hour all summer. And we had, on average, 30 to 40 people living with us there. I remember just hoping for red lights so I could just rest for a little bit, you know. I was so tired, and I realized, wow, Uh, much of what I thought was maturity and just flowing out of wisdom was contingent on me sleeping. So we're dust, and it's good that God knows it because there are just times where we're not going to have our A-game on. And that is also a joy of being part of body of Christ that as we get to know each other, we're comfortable not having to have our A-game on all the time. God remembers we are dust. That's the kind of God I really need. Because there are days where I'm very limited, very limited. So there's a phrase in there. He says um, he scatters the proud and the imagination of their heart. The older I get, the more amazed I am when I see someone who's puffed up about something that they have or do. Because it just doesn't last. I mean, it just doesn't last. Somebody that's all that um, isn't that great later. Um, I remember in college I was... Pretty caught up in my like popularity at the school, and I don't. Did I share? Uh, she's saying I did share this story. But one time I was so arrogant, I challenged someone to a popularity contest by counting people. How many people would say hi to each one of us during a class change? Right. So, <clears throat> a couple years, I became a Christian after that, and I came back to the school to teach a Bible study. And it was a school that has a, a main thoroughfare for class changing, and it used to be so like intense for me in a way because there's a wave of people i said hey 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 how's it going see you friday see you practice you know i'd have to say hi to a bunch of people so as not to be rude and um four years later i go back to the school and i start i walk i do my bible study teaching and walk in the same path and a sea of peoples coming towards me and i and instinctively i kind of got ready to start recognizing faces waving they passed through me like i was a ghost And I thought, how much of my sense of being was based on who I knew? I'm at the same place. I feel the same. But that wasn't as real as I thought it was. So the imagination of our hearts can puff us up, and God scatters that. God scatters that one way or the other. It's going to get scattered. All right, so he has filled the hungry with good things, and he... um, I'm going to get this page to turn for me so I can keep moving. He fills in the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. So this would have been reminiscent, and I would think it's fair to say that Mary would have known Hannah's prayer when you may uh, remember the passage in Samuel where before Samuel was born, Hannah has a similar experience and to Elizabeth. And she sings a song, or writes a prayer, and it, it says, uh, one of the words, phrases is, the bowels of the mighty are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. So that would have been about a thousand years potentially before Mary, but she would have been familiar with it. And she picks up that theme of the the ups are down and the downs are up, the rich get sent away but the hungry get filled with good things that's something that this big turning around this big inversion of the ups are down and the downs are up is a picture of what god does he sorts things out to the way that they really are and if you think about it the beatitudes that jesus talks about in luke 6 are the same and i'm not going to teach the whole kingdom side of it i do before we move out of this cafeteria I'm going to teach on that because I teach all around and I use a middle school cafeteria as my like, example place. And we're actually sitting in one. But for now, I'm just going to you're familiar with the Beatitudes, I'm sure, and the blesseds and the woebies. So to help me along, what I did was I wrote my own version of them. OK, so don't um, don't think I'm a heretic. This is just not the scripture. This is just my own version So this is what I got. Happy are you who buy your clothes at goodwill, for yours is the kingdom of God. Happy are you who have nothing for dinner tonight, for you shall be filled. Happy are you when people at school or the office make fun of you for believing in Jesus or mock you for not getting involved in the gossip. Jump up and down like your team just won the Super Bowl because the parents of those people harassing you did the same thing to godly people who lived before you. Now for the Wobies. Sad are you who buy only expensive clothes from the top designers. Strips of cloth are all you will ever have. Sad are you who eat out at fine restaurants every evening. It's mac and cheese from here on out. Sad are you who get all the attention from the guys when you're out on the town. Your mascara will run with tears of rejection. Sad are you who now run with the popular crowd. There are many tormented souls in hell who were just like you before they died and found out they weren't all that. There's a reversal that God brings. And as we focus on the kingdom, we get to see what's real. But Jesus is a great teacher. He had to dump out some of the current ideas about what's true. In this cafeteria, that's where that gets tested. Who's at the top and who's at the bottom and happiness is only for people at the top And that's not the good news of the kingdom and Mary lives it out because she's lowly She would have been kind of at the bottom of the social scale and she gets to be part of this big Movement of God. So now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Just how this works out this idea remember I said we're gonna do the filling of the Spirit and we'll just we'll we'll leave that up for now but the next part as you think of what we can learn from Mary, and here are a few things that we can learn from Mary. One, fellowship's important. She made haste to get to fellowship. She wanted to talk. We need fellowship. We went through the pandemic. All of us introverts, we had enough. I, even me. I was like, Let's, I've had enough alone time. Let's go see some people. And we, are, we know we need fellowship now. We got a unique gift that may never happen for generations to come, but we all got to stop and stay at home for a very, very long time. And what a rich thing to have in our background, not coming up again, but it is a good thing to have. I thought about this guy who shared at the funeral. He was five when the stock market crashed, so he knew the Great Depression and how that sets an anchor for your life if you have that. COVID may set an anchor for you guys um, if you let it, to to just have us be aware of the richness of fellowship. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do what we're doing today. And it's something that we need to avail ourselves to. And then what are, um, this version, this verse from Malachi struck me. It's the last page of the Old Testament. It's Malachi 3. It says, so a book of remembrance was written before him, For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And those who feared the Lord had spoken to one another, and the Lord listened. So there's this idea of us coming together to talk about the Lord, and God listened. And he writes our names in a a book of remembrance. This is something important that we come to do, whether it's a Bible study or a life group or church here. And this idea of being filled with the Spirit, I wanted to revisit it on the, in the New Testament lens. So Ephesians talks about this in Ephesians 5, and he says, Be filled with the Spirit, but not drunk on wine. So the picture he was using was pretty common. People had been around drunk people a lot at that time. Um, I've shared with you in the past, the first couple decades of my life, I wasn't a believer. So I had plenty of experiences of being around extremely drunk people. So I know what happens when alcohol in abundance hits certain people. Some of them get really like sentimental, you know, and they just start sharing a whole bunch of stuff. Some of them get really mellow. Um, Some of them get real brave, and we used to have this phrase in the fraternity, beer muscles. They would get like all like just, you know, full of themselves. So it did different things, but it definitely, it changed them when they had a lot of alcohol. So people in that day would have been familiar with, oh yeah, I know what that's like when someone is just really, really drunk, and they, they just get loud, they get boisterous. If you guys have ever been uh, stuck in like a train with a bunch of fans that our team just won and they're all drunk and you just know how loud that can be that that's what happens and so he's saying use as a reference don't do that you know that's debauchery Um, don't go that far where you throw up that was one of the early truths I learned before um, I became a Christian about alcohol was that if there is a maker and he intended us to drink that much alcohol you wouldn't get that sick the next morning that was truth I learned even apart from the Bible. There is, it, we're just not meant to have it, but that much of it. So the picture is, though, don't do that, but do something else instead and be filled with the Spirit. And the, the picture is speaking to one another in Psalms. This is Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. Hymns and spiritual songs, which we do here, singing and make melody in your hearts to the Lord. You know when it feels like when you have a song in your heart and it's just carrying you through the day, that's the way we were designed to be, giving thanks always to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So when we we can't make God fill us with the Holy Spirit and historically Uh, and people you can disagree with me on this but i've seen in the last century what i would call a couple waves with relation to the holy spirit in the church the first one would be like the pentecostal wave in the early 1900s so that that wave came in and then there was a charismatic wave that may not have hit if you were in evangelical churches as much 60s 70s even into the early 80s uh that that really lit up some of the mainstream churches Of movements of the spirit and people became interested in that and then I would say uh, our church started in the tail end uh, or the not the tail end but part of another wave that focused on the spiritual gifts so many of you have taken spiritual gifts inventory and that just looking at how does the Holy Spirit work so we're I think not that all those things aren't good and the the spiritual gifts isn't good we're going to talk about that but I think there's another wave coming up post pandemic that we're looking at what does it look like for even evangelical churches to interact with the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? And so that's something that we, I hope, can continue to explore next year. But a couple things to get us ready. Uh, When we talked about, I remember in youth group, um, we talked about what does it mean to do the spiritual disciplines and study spiritual gifts, and one girl came up and said, look, you can't make God do stuff, but if you're willing to do these things like solitude and prayer and uh, prepare yourself... It's like holding a cup out in the rain. You can't make it rain, but you can hold your cup out. And so the idea that we can learn from looking at Mary, looking at um, just looking at her life, is one, is she's humble. She's willing to yield her life to God. Romans 12.1 talks about present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And I remember my mom saying, saying, "The problem with living sacrifices is they can crawl off the altar. You've got to choose to stay there. If you want to be ready, you've got to choose to stay there. The second thing was depend fully on God for the power to live the Christian life. That's something that Romans 8 talks about, you know if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We need to depend on the Lord. That's something that you've got to find your way to do that. How are you going to abide in Christ? And know the scripture. By learning how God interacted with people in the past, you can better set expectations. He doesn't tolerate sin. He wants to include us in what he's doing. He makes promises. He wants us to know uh, that he keeps them. Knowing the word of God can help align you. Much of the stress in life, I think, comes from misaligned expectations. And so basing them on the scriptures... with a a spirit that is submitting to Christ, that is something that prepares us that if God wants to move, he can move. But it's really up to the Holy Spirit. Uh, First Corinthians 12 says, the Holy Spirit distributes to each one as he wills. It's his desire to do it. He does, he moves as he moves. and. It's not up to us, we can't make him move, but we can be available. So I wanna end with an example so you can think of, does this really happen today? This is how I would say it happens today. Last week, uh, we had Don Love speak. And Don is one of the most gifted teachers I've ever known. It's a privilege to be around someone that intelligent and that gifted as a teacher. And Jen is a gifted teacher as well, both really gifted teachers. But a couple of years ago, the Lord started moving in them towards a prayer ministry. So they were willing, they yielded to that, and they've been exploring with us, we're front row um, students or front row friends really, in how they have moved in pray through it and teach us to pray. So you saw last week, Don was doing his teaching, but he stopped and he said, Lord, you know, would you teach us? Lord, would you move? There's a whole nother branch of a ministry that they're exploring in. And you'll see these two trees back here, a little Christmas tree there, a little Christmas tree there. They're ornaments. Um, Take one home because that represents somebody's life who got changed through their ministry. It reaches right into the lowly. They pray with people who come to them who are having trouble. And to see the two of them walking in obedience, they light up when they get a chance to pray with someone. And the combination right before your eyes of God taking someone extremely gifted in teaching and working that into being extremely gifted in inviting people to pray is happening right before your eyes. And then they're getting released out to the country. Um, But this is home base for them. And they're trying it out right in front of us. But that's an example of how the Holy Spirit moves. And kids, if you want to have an example of like a picture Wednesday night was a blast. Um, we had a packed aviary. Of We did our Mexican dinner, the shoe boxes. Um, it's amazing the joy that was in the room to me. If you were outside, it was cold and rainy, but the aviary was lit up, and as the door opened up, sound and laughter. And there was one point where the kids were in a circle dancing this way. And then a bigger circle of grown ups was dancing the other way. And if you looked at it from the outside, like a fiery, just joy was radiating from the place and particularly the aviary because of so many windows. That's a picture of what the church can be. The world is kind of dark and gray outside. And we get to be part of the light. When we're all together, who wouldn't want to be in that circle, in the middle of that? The picture of us as a church is becoming that kind of light, that collective filling of the Holy Spirit that radiates to the world, but is also a joyful place for us to be. And it begins with us being available to Christ, to yielding and to living the kind of lives that are ready and expecting the Holy Spirit to move. So I'm going to pray for us, and then Kirsten, you remind me of the announcements. I can make them. Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you for the example of Mary. Thank you that we got to come here this morning and, and listen and meditate. I ask that you would guide us, guide us in the ways we need to align our lives, Lord, to become the kind of people who are ready to be filled with your spirit and who will act joyfully and bravely when you do fill us and guide us, Lord. May we know you more and more. That's our privilege. That's the life that lies before us that we get to spend forever getting to know you and that will never end. You are an infinite God who has more to teach us and more to show us forever and ever. We don't need to be bored or lost or discouraged. We have the invitation to be free. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that we would move in such ways as we would become available and willing and open and joyful. In Jesus' name, amen.